0: Thank you, worship team. Let us turn our hearts to prayer before we uh, jump into the word of the Lord. Holy Spirit of the living God, we pray for you to fall fresh upon us this morning. We need a fresh wave of your spirit. We need a fresh wave of your presence. We need a fresh wave of your fire and your water to nourish our souls. Father, we need you in this time. And I pray that you will minister to our hearts this morning, that you will speak through me your words, and that we'll be transformed by what you have for us. In your name, amen. Amen. I remember in uh, March 2018, Some of you might remember this day. I came and candidated to to preach to you all as a church to see if God was calling me to this church and for you to see is God calling me to be your pastor. And I remember preaching on John 5 about the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda and, and challenging us to see the healing that God has for us. But in the midst of that, I honestly had some uncertainty. I knew God was calling me here. I just needed to know if God was calling me through you guys to answer that call. I felt a very strong sense that this is where I was to be. But in that uncertainty, there's always that question, am I hearing right, am I hearing wrong? God, what's going to happen? And so there was a stirring of uncertainty. What is next for Hillary and myself and our family? And God, in the midst of that, brought about a peace That consistently went through my head that no matter what, I've got you. No matter what, in the midst of uncertainty, you can be certain because I am the Lord your God and I will take care of you. A promise that he continued to speak into my life and into my heart. And the words of A.W. Tozer uh, gave me a lot of certainty in this. He says, God is the God of today and tomorrow as well as yesterday. However, to most Christians, God is the God of yesterday alone. They believe in everything that was, but cannot rise to believe for today, let alone tomorrow. And that challenged me. It challenged me to see God's certainty. Today we're going to be talking about certainty in uncertain times. You know, And there's no secret at all that they, we live in uncertain times. The uncertainty of this entire week that we have gone through. The entire time of waiting with bated breath, what is going to transpire as we awaited for things to, to unfold? I confess myself spending probably too much time worrying about it, too much time continuously checking the news to see what was happening, how many votes have been coming in, and what was going to be the end result. And and it distracted me because there was this sense of uncertainty, so much so that normally on Tuesday I write the sermon and there was this sense that God was saying, don't write it now, just be in prayer. Spend time praying about what is going to transpire, spend time praying for my will to happen. And so I didn't write the sermon until Wednesday. And I believe that what God has for us this morning is powerful. As I was praying this morning, I believe that God wants to do something deep in our lives. And my prayer and my hope is that you can trust the promises of God because we truly can put our trust in the promises of the Lord. We truly can. This is not just some trite thing that we can say, "Oh yeah, I trust the promises of God," because when we come up, we butt up against tough times. Can we say, "I am truly it is well with my soul because God has promised that I'm truly putting my trust in the promises of God," because we truly can. How? <laughs> when we look at what's going on, there really can be certainty in the midst of uncertainty? How can that happen? And that's the question that we're going to look at today. How can we find certainty in uncertain times? You and I, we have an example. We have the early church as our example of how to answer that question. How can we find certainty in uncertain times? We have the reality of Jesus himself as our example, as we will see shortly. But you and I truly can find certainty in uncertain times. So we're going to look at different scriptures that are surrounded, that follow with what Peter is talking about so that we can get the full context of what Peter is reminding the early church of in 1 Peter chapter 2. So first we're going to look at Isaiah 53, 4 through 5. This is the word of the Lord. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds we are healed. Psalm 23, a very familiar and famous portion of Scripture. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Matthew eight, fourteen through 17. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Now First Peter 2, 18-25. He himself bore our sins in his body, on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The overseer of your souls. I believe that this morning, as we look at these passages, specifically the passage of hope that Peter gives, that we're going to find four anchors that we can anchor our life to in order to find this beauty of certainty in uncertain times. And the very first anchor that we see in our lives is the anchor of that of following. Because following the footsteps of Christ always leads to certainty. Following the footsteps of Christ always leads to certainty. It's no surprise to us, because we have this past view of what was happening to the early church, it's no surprise to say that they were living in uncertain times. We talked about this a little bit last week, where at any moment they could be murdered for their faith. At any moment they could be arrested. At any moment they could be beaten for believing in Jesus Christ But Peter encourages them to follow the example of Christ in the midst of that uncertainty that they can anchor themselves in the truth and the reality of Christ's example. Job's, a commentator, says Peter's call is to suffer unjustly, to suffer even though one has done nothing to provoke or deserve it, simply because one is a Christian. The challenge of the call doesn't stop there. Peter further exhorts the Christian to keep in doing on keep on doing good even when unjustly suffering. This is a tough call. This is a difficult task. And the early church as we've consistently seen, they were in uncertain times. They were in painful, horrendous times. They were called to even honor the emperor in the midst of his destruction of the church. They were called to walk in the example of Jesus because when Jesus was beaten, when Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return, but he lived in holiness. He gave us an example. We are to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. What is the example of Jesus Christ? That should be the main focus of Christians in every moment of uncertainty. Because what Christ did, if we follow in his footsteps, we will find certainty. It seems strange that we can find certainty in his example, because his example is one that seems pacifist. His example seems like one that's not fighting against the man. And that's true. He was resting in the truth of who Jesus, or of who his father was. And we are to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. I love this picture. Christ left us a color-by-number painting to find certainty in uncertain times himself. Now let me explain that. A commentator, as I was reading it, this popped off the page to me. He said the word Peter used for example could also apply to an artist's sketch to be filled in. Or another way to think of it, a color-by-number painting. The Greek word hippo means model, pattern, to be copied in writing or drawing. We see that Christ has left us a color-by-number way to live. Are we coloring outside the lines? Are we taking the wrong color in the painting and splashing it all around like a child who takes finger painting and you have no idea what they're creating? Or are we coloring the numbers that Christ has left for us? Are we walking in the footsteps of Christ? It is time for the church to show the example of Jesus in a world that does not love Jesus. It is time for the believers in Jesus Christ to color by the numbers of his example. He has, we see, four gospels of his life We see ways in which he entrusted himself to the Father. We see ways in which he was all dependent upon the presence of God. We see ways in which he did not revile when reviled. He loved those who persecuted him. He cared and prayed for those that he disliked and who disagreed with him. He spent time on his knees for them. He did not spend time yelling and screaming and telling the disciples to do the same thing. He spent time loving and praying for those. Even while he was dying on the cross, he prayed for those who were persecuting and murdering him. I'm not saying the example of Christ is easy, but I am saying it is important that we color by the example of Jesus Christ. The believer can follow Christ's footsteps, but only through submission to the Holy Spirit. You and I must, must submit to the Holy Spirit. Too often we want to submit to our own ideas. Too often we want to submit to our own agenda. But many times our agenda does not match the agenda of the Holy Spirit. We must submit to the Holy Spirit. We must ask Him to empower us to follow the footsteps of Christ, because I don't know if you've noticed, it is really, really hard to follow Christ's example. Even though we have a color-by-number painting, many times we're like, I don't like that color. I want a different color right there. I want to change what that looks like. I don't, I'm not a fan of this picture, but we must The first anchor that you and I must add to our lives is the anchor of following. If you want certainty in the midst of uncertainty, we must follow Christ's example. Peter exhorted the church to follow in Christ's footsteps, and we know that they did. And as they followed Christ's footsteps, what happened? The church grew. Do you want the church to grow? Do you want Christ's power to overwhelm our nation? Do you want to walk in certainty in the midst of uncertainty? Follow Christ's example. It is abnormal. It is weird. It is not the way the world would expect us to respond, but we must follow the example of Jesus Christ. In this passage, I said that he gives us four anchors. The first anchor, in order to find certainty in the midst of uncertainty, is to follow the example of Jesus Christ. And the very next anchor, the second anchor, is that of entrusting. Because leaving everything in the hands of the Lord leads to certainty. Leaving everything in the hands of the Lord leads to certainty. Maybe you're a lot like me in the fact that you really like control. And when you're out of control, when you don't have the control of things in your life, or you know, the, the, this whole pandemic has proved to us that we have no control, many people have lost their jobs, many people are wandering through what is next, what's going to happen, but when we entrust everything into the Lord's hands, we can find certainty. The truth is that you and I do not have control. The truth is that you and I cannot control the painting by numbers because God has set it in place. God has already made it and said, this is what to do. Are we entrusting ourselves to the Lord? Are we entrusting ourselves to the Lord? We have to. Because if you entrust yourself to yourself, it's going to be a mess. If you entrust yourself to who sits in the Oval Office, you will be disappointed. If you entrust all of your faith and all of your your strength and all that you have in the reality of our economy, you will be disappointed. You will not find certainty in those things, as we have found this week. We will not find certainty in anything except when we entrust ourselves to The Lord. Jesus, who had every right to arrest control, did not. He entrusted himself to the Lord. One commentator says, believers are not left to face suffering solely in their own strength, which might well prove inadequate. I would change that instead of saying it might well prove inadequate, I will say that it is inadequate. That you and I, in order to find certainty in an uncertain world, We are inadequate to find that certainty in ourselves or anything else but Jesus. Jesus is the answer to everything, Jesus only. And we sing that song, but our lives do not reflect that truth. We are not entrusting everything to the control of the Father because we are addicted to control ourselves. We look in the mirror and we say, yes, you're in control. We might not say that aloud, but that is how many times I live. That is how many times we live. We must entrust ourselves to the Father and the Father only. That commentator continues, but it is noteworthy that Peter uses the present tense. God, he says, judges justly. At all times and in every situation, God's discernment is perfect and his verdict just and true because Jesus himself entrusted himself to him who judges justly you and I cannot judge justly you and I cannot judge without bias we must entrust ourselves if Jesus himself needed to entrust himself to the Lord how much more do we how much more do we this has been a challenge to me because, again, I have felt the uncertainty of these uncertain times. But these words of Peter have, have helped anchor me into the reality of finding it. A.W. Tozer says, and this is point number six, As we give ourselves to the Lord and trust Him through the bad times, we finally come to see that what God was doing was something We never imagine. God turns all things for good. That's a promise. Remember, point number one is that you and I can, in fact, trust the promises of God. All things can be turned for His good. I believe that the church is being set up for growth. I fully believe that. Are we ready for that moment? God is preparing us for the end. Are we ready for the end? Are we prepared? Constantly the disciples said, be ready. They said, we'll never know when it's coming, but we must be ready. We'll never know when it's coming. It could be 100, 200, 300 years, but Christ will return. His work is not yet finished. We can be used to finish his work and see the global reality of people coming to Jesus. Are we entrusting ourselves to him? Are we anchoring ourselves in him? Do we trust him? Can we see that God is up to something that we could never imagine? Because when we entrust ourselves to the Lord, we can have faith that he's up to something. That God is doing something. It might seem like he's been powerless. It might seem like he's stepped back. But I guarantee you 100% that you could take this to the bank that he has not stopped ruling. He has not stopped reigning. I know many people have been sharing the the Habakkuk sermon that that Billy Graham gave. Our hope is found in only Jesus, he reminds us. Our hope is not in the White House, he reminds us. Our hope is only anchored in the truth of who Jesus is. Are we owning that? Are we entrusting ourselves to that truth? I believe, again, Peter gives us four anchors. And the third anchor is that of healing. Healing. Because the wounds of Christ heal all wounds and bring certainty to life. Christ died for us. By his wounds we are healed. All of our infirmities, all of our iniquities, all of our sorrows were placed upon him on the cross. The wounds of Christ heal all wounds and bring certainty to life. We can live for righteousness and die to sin because he has healed our hearts. He has healed our souls. He has restored our souls. As we see in Psalm 23, he restores our soul. All his wounds cover all our wounds and bring certainty to life. Because the certainty of the cross breaks the power of uncertainty in our lives. If you want to cling to something that is certain, cling to the certainty of the cross. Cling to the certainty that He died for you. And if you've not believed that, today is the day of your salvation. Because he has died for you. He has shed his blood for you. His body was broken for you. By his wounds we are healed. If we remember the cross in uncertain times, we will remember the certainty of our salvation. We will remember the certainty of Christ breaking Satan, sin, and death. Amen? By his wounds we are healed. It is about Jesus. It is about Jesus only. That is what the Bible is all about from the beginning to the end. The one name that reigns and rules is Jesus. But too often we neglect the reality of the cross and the power of his healing work in our hearts. It's not just our our souls that are healed. All the sorrows that we have can in fact be put upon the cross. The grieving that you have, the pain that you have can be laid at the foot of the cross and the promise is that you will be healed. That you will find healing from your sorrows, from your iniquities, from your infirmities. The certainty of the cross breaks the uncertainty of our lives. Tozer once said, when God leads us to do something for him, he will always empower us to do it. When we lay down our sorrows, he says that that is what we're called to do, and he will empower us to do it. And he will empower the healing in our lives. Now, this isn't just healing for our hearts It's not just healing for our iniquities. It's not just healing for our soul. It's not just healing for our sorrows. It is also a promise of the the children of God to find healing in their bodies. To find healing in their bodies. Simpson stated, This phrasing in Isaiah and Peter must mean physical redemption through his agony as our substitute. It is a promise of Scripture. It is something that we own as a body of believers in the CMA, as a denomination. We claim this as what what Bailey used to call, Ken Bailey used to call, the, the reality of the children's bread. That you and I, because of the wounds of Jesus Christ, can have physical healing as well. This passage talks about the infirmities, the iniquities, the sorrows All of that can be healed, and we can be certain. Now, the healing we want is not always going to be the healing that we get, because God knows better than we do. But there is the truth of healing. Now, the name it and claim it healing has it half right, because we can claim healing in the name of Jesus Christ, but we can't name the healing that we want. He's the one who names it. But as a body of believers, we believe in Scripture that it says we can claim the healing that God has for us. And many of you, in your hearts and in your sorrows, you need healing this morning. Some of you in your bodies need healing this morning. His wounds bring healing. By His wounds, we are healed. Claim the healing He has for you. Don't try and name it, but claim that He has healing for you. And it might not be the healing you want, but it is the healing you need. The fourth and final anchor is that of returning. Because certainty is found in returning to the shepherd. Peter reminds them, for you are straying like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Listen, in times of uncertainty and in times of pain, we will be tempted and we will stray from our shepherd. Because we will try to arrest control. We will try to put our hope and our faith in other people, in other things. But in order for you and I to find certainty in uncertain times, we must... Return to the shepherd. Look at what the the psalmist says. David says, he restores my soul. It is the presence of the shepherd that brings me peace. It is the presence of the shepherd that brings me the calm of still waters. That's not just something that David said flippantly. It's not just something that he said was just for him. That is a passage that also you and I can own. And say, it is the presence of God that brings me restoration. The presence of God that brings healing. Because the Lord's presence is the only place to find certainty in an uncertain world. Our comfort, our peace, our certainty is found in the presence of God. And many of us have been distracted this week by uncertainty, myself included. Many of us have strayed away from the presence of God and began to live in anxiety, began to live in fear, began to live in this, this question of what's going to happen. But the reality is this. The promise is that it really doesn't matter what's going on around us. What matters is that we return to the presence of God. Of God because in the presence of our enemies we can find peace in his presence the promises of God are real the promises of God were not just for yesterday they're for today they're also for tomorrow my challenge is that we will come to the foot of the cross That we will pour out our sorrows, that we'll pour out our fears, that we will grieve at the foot of the cross, release the pain and the sorrows that we have, and put them upon Him, and claim the reality that He brings healing to our hearts. And so I want to challenge you. I'm going to pray, and then the worship team is going to come back up, and we're going to sing. If you have sorrows, if you have iniquities, if you have pain and anxiety and fear that you need to put at the foot of the cross, come up here and do it today. Don't allow that uncertainty, that fear, that anxiety to control your life any longer. It may have happened for a week, but you can release it now. You can entrust yourself to the Lord. You can follow the example of Jesus Christ. You can submit to the Holy Spirit. And so whatever has been going on inside, it might have nothing to do with the election. It might have everything to do with the pain in your body. It might have everything to do with the wounds of broken family. It might have everything to do with fear and anxiety of what's going to happen next because of the pandemic. It doesn't matter what it is. Come and lay it down at the foot of the cross. Because the certainty of the cross breaks the power of uncertainty in our lives. May we decide today to return to our shepherd, find healing in the wounds of Christ, entrust everything we have to Him, and follow in the footsteps of Christ. If God is calling you to lay something down at the cross, do not leave today without doing it. Come to the foot of the cross. And the altar is a symbolic place for that. But you could also do it in the pew and have someone pray with you and have someone pray over you. But if God is moving you as he moved me this morning, please come. The power of the cross breaks the uncertainty in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you that you love us despite us. We thank you that you love us enough to heal us as your children, that we are promised that you will bring a healing. It's not always going to be the healing that we want. It will always be the healing that we need. But no matter what, we all need healing. And the cross promises us that we will find by your wounds we are healed, that you have taken our iniquities, that you have taken our sorrows and our infirmities. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will touch our hearts, that you'll bring conviction, bring challenge, and show us those areas that we need to lay down. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that we will submit to you and lay those things down this morning so they no longer control our future, they no longer control our present, but we can move forward as a united front of Jesus followers to follow in your example, to bring the truth of your gospel and see your church grow. Because that is what you want. May we live in obedience and submit all and lay all at the cross. Amen.